welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To podcast with me, Chris Grimes. And why am I calling it that? Because that's my name. And a good listening to, after all, is what coaching is all about. So a GLT with me, CG, see what I'm doing there, is my new podcast series with a strong storytelling imperative and with the simple aim of inviting my guests to a space called The Clearing, where we get to shake their tree, hear their story and amplify their brand. Who are you and what's the story that you tell? So yes, welcome to a GLT with me, CG, and we're recording. Get in, we're back into the Good Listening To podcast clearing and delighted today to welcome to the GLT Clearing, Miss Wendy Bagger, who I hope she won't mind me uh, referring to her. There's a spoonerism just all set to give there. I call her Bendy Wagger. She may not may not like me doing that, but we can find out. So this is the lovely Wendy Bagger, who is an actress, uh, famous for repertory stuff, but also film stuff as well. There's either, I, I Googled you because I can. There's something about Command and Conquer in there that I'd quite like to talk about at some point and believe my voice and we have working voices in common which is the awesome global communication skills uh, consultancy fang so uh, genuinely really excited to speak to you also your hair post pandemic i've just complimented you is is far longer and more majestic a mane than i remember yes it's more majestic a mane than i remember i actually i learned about nine months ago that i have wavy hair and so I've started to like, you know, do the whole curly girl thing. If anybody has curly hair, they know the curly girl method, which is a pain in the, in the ass. And, yeah. um, uh, and then it's just kept growing since the pandemic, since I, I haven't had a, a chance to get a haircut. And oh. I was joking earlier that now that I live in Colorado, it might just be that Colorado is turning me into a Sasquatch or a Yeti, depending yes. on the part of the, uh, the, globe you're from and i saw a comic meme recently in a group that we're both part of <laughs> called hashtag lol virus which is the one about bigfoot which is a very short bloke with an enormous foot yeah it was I, yes. I thought you'd be a bit taller but anyway <laughs> you're a sasquatch kumquat watch watch squash you're looking awesome and um over the years that i've known you you've had very different shaped glasses over time and if i may this is oh, a yeah. compliment you've also always reminded me of almost like a, a far side larson type character because you used to have pointy frames at the you used to have a pointy framed spectacle when i first met you yeah now i'm going for a little bit of a um a leopard print and by the way if i had your hair it would look like i was trying to be charles the first or the second or someone like that <laughs> <laughs> i had a i had a makeup class in um in university like stage makeup class yeah and um we had to do cross-gender makeup one time and so i decided to put a mustache on my face and it turns out with a mustache i look exactly like charles manson oh not charles the first or second but charles manson <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> hashtag awkward and yeah. by the way i've always thought of you as being really sharp really clear which helps obviously in what we do but also you've got a really really sharp sense of humor which i've always enjoyed uh, sort of bathing in in the times that i've met you um oh and, thank you and I also you have a great um you did something very helpful during the uh, pandemic of the, all the the various comic things going into the lol virus group i uploaded something that i didn't really think very much about and then you were the person that went uh and we can talk about that if you like because it was it was just a really interesting debate started in my head about the the, the boundaries and the parameters of where funny doesn't become funny and i know it's totally subjective and then there's a bigger picture do you know the thing i'm talking about even yeah i do i do the um the the black lives matter yeah. parody yeah yes and um, it was an interesting moment for me, too, because I don't typically sort of call out things that um, I think might be inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not my style. I'm not very assertive. And to, to find a voice for that, I think, was really important. So yes. I appreciate how graciously 
you you accepted that but also it's that idea of when someone's very 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 accommodating in all things comedy humor then suddenly you get something called out it's really very profound the impact one can have if you suddenly go hang on a minute you need to think that, about that again and just to explain i suppose the context um, the lol yeah. virus group has been um responding to the pandemic because I've got going with it as a way of leaning into the comedy, uh, you know, flexing a comedy muscle. And then obviously there's been a very profound summer globally, but also the Black Lives Matter movement is hugely profound, impactful and important. And there was just this meme that arrived, which was uh, Black Lives Matter. And then somebody in a graffiti context just replaced an O or just wrote an O in front of the L, which turned it into Black Olives Matter. And what was really interesting is the idea that you can make a really profound um, global slogan of a cause almost benign with one letter of the alphabet which is where I was coming from and then it Absolutely. was just, and then it was really in, and also I, I didn't get going in the group to either explain justify or, or defend it was just a really interesting moment in hang on a minute I do need to think that through because I'm not the demographic that this is meant to be the cause of right no and I, I, I knew exactly where you were coming from it was a uh, a fun play of language, and it did make something feel uh, benign. And uh, right, we aren't the ones who get to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We aren't the ones that get to disarm that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so yeah. if I may, thank you. I thought that was a profoundly um, incise, insightful uh, call. So thank you for that. Mm. Uh, and also in, in seeing you, it's so lovely to see you again, because obviously we do have working voices in common and it's probably been a good year and a half or so since we've been in the same complex delivering That's a program. At the very least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's always great to see you too. And you're like, a, you're like a, just a warm beam of sunshine to, to get to be in front of. You're very lovely. And also you were, you were so generous. When I first asked you, would you please come into the clearing? You said, oh, gosh, I've, I've watched a couple and it seems like having a a day spa for my brain. <laughs> so I thought, yeah. hey, that, I'll take that as a wonderful compliment. So I bid you several welcomes. Uh, you're speaking from Boulder, Colorado. Very exciting. That's right. And the enigmatic right. Sasquatch squatch that is Wendy Bagger. And do you mind that I call you Bendy Wagger, by the way? Not at all. Um, I I love having nicknames. The it's just an expression of affection. So I'm I'm always grateful. And by the way, um, the New York team, uh, Jen Ryan Pirillo, uh, calls me Grimesy, and I love that. It, but not everyone in my life can call me Grimesy. Sometimes it's been very insulting in my life. It's very interesting. The no, again, the notion of whether yeah. something fits depending on the intent behind it, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's interesting. I'm getting all profound on both of our asses here. But anyway, welcome. <laughs> Let, let's, that was the longest introduction in history. So uh, when, when someone doesn't have a context for you and just arrives at you next to a dinner table or something in a, in a dinner party, turns to you and does that clunky thing we've all experienced. Hello, who are you? What do you do? What's your favourite way of answering that rather blunt question? Wendy Bagger, what do you do? Yeah, um... It is an awkward question. And so I, uh, I like to say that I am an incredibly awkward human who helps other awkward humans feel less awkward. And I do that by, you know, coaching them mostly during presentations and, and some leadership. But it's, yeah, it's teaching people to communicate um, authentically, letting their own personality be enough when they communicate. Oh, I love that answer. And forgive the bluntness of the in your face first question, but that was such a graceful way to be generous to the person or people that say that to us way of answering that. So that's that's a beautiful answer mm. right there. Thank you. So welcome to the clearing. First of all, um, we're going to take you into a clearing. Then we're going to shake your tree to see which apples fall out, as is the normal root map of the storytelling metaphors of this idea of this program. Then we'll talk about alchemy and gold. And then I'll give you a cake at the end of it, Wendy Bagger. So okay. bringing you, first of all, to a clearing, metaphorically or literally, what is a clearing like for you? Where do you go to get innovative, clear and focused? Um... There is literally a clearing that is a block away from my house. I, um, I'm right at the foot of the Rocky Mountains, like literally. And there is a pasture 
that I can walk through to uh, get a little exercise and move my body, which is nice. Uh, the only downside is it is actually active pasture land for some ranchers who own the plot. So I have to be careful of cows. <laughs> I'm worrying the cows. <laughs> the really long horned ones. There are yes. two of them that they, they watch you when you get there. Um, so there's there's the physical clearing that I actually do walk through, uh, particularly during pandemic. Um, but I was also looking at this as like how do I how do I get clear or when do I feel clearest and a clearing out of. And um, I would say after a really good hard laugh with friends right? The kind of laugh that just makes you cry and it hurts and you think it may never end this particular thing that you're laughing at. So I guess I'd imagine I would just have had one of these fantastic laughs near a cow in the pasture. Oh, again, congratulations. What a laughter in, uh, and comedy in adversity and a way of resetting factory default settings. I just love that. What a great mm -hmm. answer. So if I may, I'm going to join you as you come to the crescendo of your laughing at the point when you're going, <laughs> oh dear. So I'm arriving um, with a tree now into your clearing and we're going to shake your tree to see which apples fall out. And as you know, Wendy, you've had as long as you needed to think about four things in the exercise called 54321. It's five minutes to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to oh, squirrels uh, get your attention. And then one quirky or unusual fact about you that we couldn't possibly know about you until you tell us. So they don't all have to come hurtling down together. The law of gravity, you can shake those apples and go on the open road however you'd like to interpret that. Yeah. Um, so there's a thing that happens in my head, which is, a, I think, a huge part of my coaching, which is, am I doing this right? And I've watched other versions and everybody starts with what's shaped them. And I'm like, should I do that? Or should I rebel? Like, I don't actually know what I should do. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I, randomness is really helpful for me in making decisions because I'm a really indecisive person. So uh, you are going to choose right or left. And I'm going to go left. Left is then, these are the three things that inspire me. Um, actually, my husband and I, um, we planned our wedding based on a, a, a coin toss. It was either go to see the Avengers or it was sit down and plan our wedding. And so it turns out we had to sit down and plan our wedding that day. You pair of superheroes oh. right there. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so three things that inspire. By the way, I loved how you said it's because you're indecisive, but actually I think, to flip that, it's a bit like you're, you just have a joy of spontaneity rather than being uh, adhered to a structure. That's true. That is true. Um, it's, it's my comedy improvisation been, lens that read that in a different way to what you said. Right, but it, I think that's a great way to frame it it's this constant push pull for me is I'm a real rule follower. Right. Um, which sometimes I think is really practical and other times it's just fear-based. And so when I can sense that it's fear-based, I need to break the habit, mm -hmm. break the, disrupt the pattern. Right. So a, a coin toss or, or randomness will do that for me. Uh, so I think that's maybe that's something that inspires me is just this sort of, um, things that just happen by chance, right? That couldn't have been planned that suddenly add a little bit of magic to a moment. Um, so joy of surprise. Joy of surprise, yeah. I'm constantly trying to guess what's happening next so that when I can be surprised, it just uh, opens up a different part of my brain. So I'm really grateful for when that happens. And because of um, our because of our acting connection as well, if I may, that that's what makes one you know in your case, I'm assuming exceptional on stage because of the power of listening, because you can only get to surprise if you're truly listening out for it. So how to make right. a performance very spontaneous is to respond to what you've just been given. 
There's a great quote from, do you know, Alan Alda, the, the American actor, most notable for the TV series MASH. Um, he was asked about what makes a great actor. And he said, it's listening. And it's listening as though what the person says to you might change your life. And I thought that that's a wonderful way to think about listening. I don't know what you're about to say, ideally. Um, so, so when we can get into a space of actually letting go of the expectation of what the other person is going to say and really hear it, it's a hard place to get to, but I think yeah. that's, that's the goal. And therein lies another clearing, actually. It's that magic place where surprise can happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also really inspired and moved by people who can be honest about the struggle, right? Whatever the struggle is. It's, I think we're, we're all walking through life with this sort of facade, that everything is okay. And I think social media can really propagate that, right? We're creating this version of ourselves that's uncrackable, right? And the people who can, who can actually crack their own facade and say, look at this shit show that's happening behind here um, <laughs> is really helpful because I think we're all feeling that. And when yes. someone can give voice to it is, I think it breaks down the isolation that I think is, a huge issue of what's happening in the world today, not just with the pandemic, but with communicating through social media. Yeah. And for me, I don't always know how I feel. Like I just know I feel something. And when someone can give vocabulary to what those feelings are, then I go, Oh, okay. That's what's happening. And that kind of awareness can lead to at least, um, just awareness, but also maybe it'll lead to a choice now that I know what's going on. So I'm really grateful for people who can do that. People like Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah. Like in the trenches of the work that she's doing. Um, do you know Anne Lamott? No, I, no, I don't. Anne Lamott. Oh, she's wonderful. She's this really quirky woman. She's an author. She's written some fiction, but she also writes a lot about sort of views on life and faith she's a uh, she has a, a large faith but it's all very irreverent and quirky and um did you say Anne Lamont Lamont L-A-M-A no O L-A-M-O-T-T and she is imminently quotable and I actually have one here to give you a sense of of what I like about her She's messy and uh, really accepts the mess that she's in and makes sense of it and finds the meaning behind it, right? Um, a really short quote of hers is that laughter is carbonated holiness. And I love that. <laughs> I do too. I love that. I'm not particularly uh, religious, but like I understand there's a bigger picture than what I'm in and to have that image is really lovely. And then there's this quote that I that I um, pulled I up love, of her. In, I love the sense of the mess. Sorry, the sense of the mess within that too. And carbonated holiness. Beautiful. Yes, she's so great. And so um, I also pulled up this quote about perfectionism because that's one of my bugaboos. And it also becomes a real basis of my coaching is I can recognize when people are in this place of trying to be perfect rather than just trying to be present. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, this one says, this comes from a book of hers that she wrote about writing and people getting overwhelmed by the idea of writing a book and so, or painting a picture. And she says, okay, you just do it bird by bird. Instead of painting the whole sky, you paint one bird at a time. <laughs> and um, so her, the book is called Bird by Bird, Some Instructions on Writing and Life. And this quote is, Perfectionism, perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor. It is the enemy of the people. It will keep you cramped and insane your whole life. And its main obstacle, it is the main obstacle between you and your shitty first draft. I'm like, yes, I don't want to write a shitty first draft. I want it to just come bubbling forth from the pen or from my fingertips or from my mouth. And she understands that. 
And then she says, um, I think perfectionism is based on the obsessive belief that if you run carefully enough, hitting each stepping stone just right, you won't have to die. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? perfectionism, at least for me, it feels like life or death, right? I've got to get this right or I'm going to be exiled from the tribe. And yes. then I will die. That links so, so beautifully, by the way, to the way about how best to prepare which is uh, we should aspire to prepare for variety don't practice for perfection because if yes. you practice for perfection you lock off on something and anything any surprise that happens completely derails you so this idea of yeah. keeping spontaneity close at hand to carbonate right. the presence yes exactly um and i think that that's that i mean that falls into any communication that we do i was recently reading um, the book, uh, Never Split the Difference, which is about negotiating, written by um, an FBI hostage negotiator. And he talks about walk, out, walk in with just questions, because if you come in with too strict a goal, you're losing out on so many possible options that are better for both of you. Yes. Beautiful. And um, what's really clear here, how you have a great, great enjoyment of bathing in, in, in literature and reading. So nice quotes. And thank you for sharing those. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't like to read. I like to listen to books. I'm an audiobook. OK. Scene. And that um, helps. I, I need to be uh, doing more than one thing at a time. Okay. So being able to listen to the book while I'm in my clearing with the cows yeah. um, or while I'm knitting. Knitting. It, it, it helps me stay engaged than if I'm just listening or just reading. Yeah. And yeah. knitting was... One of the a, things I've done during the pandemic is I've knitted one of the world's biggest sweaters. What, too big for you to put on or it's just, it's just a sweater that just keeps on going? It's a sweater that's quite long. It has this long piece <laughs> that goes over the shoulder. And I could, have, I could have just kept going until it became a mummy dress. So if the pandemic keeps going, someday all of the Rocky Mountains will be covered in a big thing knitted by Wendy Packer. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm doing a Rocky Mountain cozy. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it first here on the Good Listening Do podcast, so we can blame you when it happens. Wonderful. So uh, I, we've got beautifully um, caught in lovely thickets of where we're up to with um, whether this is inspiring or shaping you or so, so keep going wherever you want to go um yeah uh the other thing that is inspiring me right now very actively is um i'm learning to ski oh which i've never done before my husband is an avid skier and always has been and when we made the decision to move from new york uh we were getting ready to just leave the city the intensity of the city for a little while and he found this teaching position out here in Colorado. One of his caveats for leaving the city was, I need to be able to go somewhere where I can ski. And is and, he teaching skiing or is he teaching something else? No, he's teaching. He's a, a lighting designer for theater and uh, set design for theater. So he's teaching lighting and set design in the theater department here in Boulder. And did, did you meet with him illuminating you? No, actually. How we met is an interesting story. Um, I had a fiance for a, a, a year or two and he and I split and it was messy the way that, that breakups are. And um, we were avoiding each other, or at least I was avoiding him for a long time. And then there was this moment uh, in my life where I sort of came to it was one of those moments of miraculous clarity about what was actually going on, right? And I let go of my part of it and I, I, let, I let go of what I thought his part of it was and I was done being mad. And I called him and said, here we go. This is one of those moments of spontaneity. Um, I called him and said, hey, I'm done being mad. We can hang out in the same circles again. I'm not actively avoiding. If you wanna talk about what happened, great. If you don't, great. And he said, I don't really, but I'm having my birthday party you want to come? I said, yeah. And I went to his birthday party and I met who is now my husband, Jonathan. Oh, so thanks to your yeah. own openness, receptivity, forgiveness, um, 
presence you then were present enough to just think okay I'll say yes which adheres to your comedy improvisational instinct yes and wow and and do you remember going thinking doing I've met somebody that I like or, or was that a slow burn as well uh he he felt that way I was I was a little bit less receptive um <laughs> I was looking to have like my my singleness my single empowered woman in the city New York City experience and I in fact that night I'd had this whole date with myself I'd taken myself to uh, a dance piece at the French Society because I'd been studying French and um, I went to see this dance piece by this French artist and I got there and Mikhail Baryshnikov was in the audience who had always been oh. like this childhood heartthrob of mine and I was like oh my god I'm I'm sitting in front of Mikhail Baryshnikov and I turned around and like made eye contact with him for like half a second. So I knew his life was changed by me. And then um, <laughs> and then there was this amazing piece. And then I, I knew I was going to this party afterwards, my, you know, the, the birthday party. And so I decided to take a walk through the city and there was this huge, beautiful full moon in the sky. So I took a picture of that and then I made my way to this party. And I was so, and this is rare for me, so I'm, I'm not trying to brag. This is really a notable moment. I was so comfortable in my own skin being where I was that um, I, I feel like um, I was able to connect in a way that was authentic and not based in fear, does he like me? Or, oh, my God, is he going to like me? But I don't like him and I don't know how to put him down. Like, it was, yeah. it was, it was, I was just able to be in that moment. And I so loved your taking yourself on a date night before you went there. That was so lovely. I've taken my dating myself. What a great construct and concept that is. Yeah. Have you ever heard of um, The Artist's Way? Yes. So she talks about going on artist dates. And this, yeah. this was going to be, this was that. Yes. officially being that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I love that. And, and the, just being able to be monumentally present and at ease with oneself in a truly authentic state. And then two free individuals choose to be together, wind forward, however. And uh, the only in- other interesting question I have in that beautiful story is, is what was the time frame with you doing avoidance strategy to then, hey, let go. And then here we are at the party. What was the timeline? Um. Uh, the timeline, describe which part of the timeline you're looking so at. So when, when you were avoiding your ex-fiance and you were sort of play, oh. playing that game for a bit and then one day you let go, just how long that period of time was? Oh, yeah, that was about a year. That was okay. probably about a year and a half. Uh, the, the, the year and a half is a beautiful um, stereotype about how it takes 18 months to make a true adjustment in life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, 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 there are exceptions, obviously, because people move through change differently, as we know. But anyway, I, I was just intrigued by that. Um, stereotypes are in large. Tr- well, there's lots of truth in them, isn't there? So which is quite that was interesting to, to point that time frame out. Beautiful stuff, uh, Wendy Bagger. So we, we're, we're still in the beautiful tree and I'm loving how you're shaking apples out in all sorts of enigmatic ways and unexpected and surprising ways. So They're surprising me too. I had no idea. I was tell and I, I'm not sure actually, um, I, I know what structure we're doing, but I'm not sure whether we're still in inspiring shaping or um, things that get your attention or a quirky, unusual fact about you. Uh, well, gosh, it's, it's this Venn diagram, isn't it? It is, and it's a beautiful. Um, I love it. I love you for that. I, I, I love the fact it's a very enigmatic Venn diagram with you having a date night with oneself in the middle of it. Yeah, um, I guess I think I'm, I'm still in the inspiring. That all feels like the inspiring stage. Um, I can move on to things that shape me. Um, certainly, as everybody does, my family is a huge influence on who I am and how that, what that looks like for me is I come from a long line of smart ass Irish immigrants in New York city. (laughs) They came, they took over the town. Um, and it's, it's just, uh, 
the fa I, I joke about this, and I, I mean this in a funny way. The family crest is like flipping the bird. Like it's just, <laughs> it's, there's no reverence. Um, it's all sort of this dark, wry humor, finding finding those jewels of of humor in like the darkest places. And so, um, that has really shaped my view of of the world. And my mom is an incredible woman. She was raising five of us kids. Irish Catholic family, right? Five of us kids that were only six years apart. So raising um, five smart asses, as you said. <laughs> yes, yes. She was very quickly outnumbered. Um, <laughs> and and she was raising us by herself. She was a single mom. And um, So same father for, for all five of you, if you don't mind me asking. Yes, yes. Then, they, she was married to my dad for about eight years. And... Um, he served his he, purpose. Was, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, but yeah, it was just, it wasn't a healthy marriage. And so she took the amazing step of leaving it and uh, living a life that she had more wanted to live. She, I think she was born to be a hippie, right? And um, she grew up in Irish Catholic New York in, in the 40s and 50s. So that just didn't exist. And and she sounds like she's still she's still with us in what I'm reading. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she and she's always been uh, a real connoisseur of the quirky and the silly too. Like I have a memory of her dropping me off at kindergarten, and we were speaking in English accents the entire car ride there in the middle of Las Vegas, Nevada. Like there's no <laughs> reason. <laughs> so uh and she's really embraced what weirdos each of her kids are like there were no expectations there was no comparison she let us do what we wanted to do and the freedom of that has been uh on one hand uh really helpful like i've, I've never had the burden of worrying that i am disappointing my mom in the choices that i make but on the other hand it when you can do anything, what do you do? <laughs> you know? I need a little more structure, please. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and do you have multi-textured uh, flavors of siblings in what you've all ended up doing if you've all been given this complete freedom to reign and go rogue? Yeah, my, my, I have three brothers and a sister. My sister is the oldest and I'm the youngest. So we bookend these three boys. And uh, I like that too. We bookend these three boys. What a great way to put that. Okay, yeah. boys, you're bookended. All right. Enough of you guys. <laughs> we are the boundary. Um, my sister is, uh, she's, she's artistic in that she loves to paint. Um, and the things that she paints are these really intricate, detailed, um, like larger shapes, but inside of those shapes, she creates these intricate, detailed, other little shapes that sort of mesh together on her creative side. And then um, on her work side, she works for uh, a pharmaceutical company um, monitoring drug trials as they happen once they go into the, the phase where they're trying drugs. on. Ah, so she must be particularly useful to society at this particular point. She apparently is very, very busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's that sort, that same sort of uh, ability to to look at the little thing and mesh them all together that makes her really good at her job. And the, the um, comedian in me is thinking she's obviously very, very, very tightly controlled. And, um, you know, the expression, which I mean kindly, she has a tight sphincter. You know, the idea of only dogs can hear her fart because she's got a real attention for detail. Uh, I'm not saying that's not true. <laughs> Because <laughs> some of your facial expressions about her attention to detail were very... Anyway, I'm sure she's lovely. Yeah. If you're anything to go by, I'm sure she's gorgeous. We've, we had an, an upbringing that was pretty unconventional and at times really chaotic. So I think we've all come up with our ways of controlling our environment. And I think that, that's her version of it. Yeah. And then I have one brother who is... Uh, he worked in software for... 100 years and recently at the age of 52 53 has gone to law school he's in law school right now okay and another brother who went to law school early on 
and hated being a lawyer. So now, ah, he's, if he's become a software engineer, then your two brothers just needed to have been each other. So, but sorry, that was yeah. Well, they they have overlapped in their careers, um, and so. Uh, but my my brothers, uh, Ian and Stephen, who I've just been talking about, they're also musicians. Like there's this this um, this vein of of music that runs through the family, starting from my grandmother, uh-huh. um, who was uh, apparently a, a prodigy of a pianist when she was a child. And then as she grew up, she likes to play in nightclubs and she wrote a musical called Tickled Pink. And, um, and then she got married and those choices were no longer available to her. Because of the time of the marriage of, of its time. Yes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that's your mum's mum, or your mom's mom. That's my mum's mum. Mum's mum. Mum's mum. I called her Nana. Nana. Um, wow, I'm really talking a lot about my family. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, so they definitely shaped you. I get that. They definitely shaped you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and continue to do so. They do. I'm really grateful and uh, that I, I, I like my siblings i know that that's not always true in every family and one of the things my mom was really good at was even when we would get in a fight as kids she made sure that we genuinely made up it wasn't just an exercise like she wanted to make sure that we stayed friends so no sulking or toxicity allowed no Mm. no but i would say another another clearing for me is when i get to hang out with my my closest brother in age, Kevin, like he and I have such a similar sense of humor that it's, it's effortless to be in the room, you know, with, um, with other, even my close friends, like I'm trying to find the way that that's going to make them laugh. Right. Yeah. yeah. With my brother, we just get it. Yeah. We just get it. A beautiful synergy and connection. Yeah. So you can definitely have your family as people that have shaped you. That's that's beautifully convincing. Um, anything else that shaped you? I know there is, but but what else would you like to tell us that shaped you? Ah, uh, what are the what? A recent influence of mine has been, and I may have talked to you about this in the past in other conversations. Um, the gym that I was going to in New York City, called Mark Fisher Fitness, and they their tagline is um ridiculous humans serious fitness and they turned out to be a magical place for me to learn coaching right because they're coaching uh physical transformation right just say that lovely mantra again ridiculous humans ridiculous humans serious fitness beautiful what a great strap line they, they and you mentioned a, you you mentioned ridiculous human in, in how you described yourself as a coach at the beginning when i gave you that deliberately clunky question of what do you do and you say i'm a ridiculous yeah. human so they have shaped you they really have and um what i learned from them that was a layer of my coaching that i i didn't trust yet was just the unconditional regard for wherever you were in the process of transformation, walking in the door. Maybe you were brand new and had never exercised before in your life, or maybe you were an elite athlete. Maybe you didn't want to lose weight. You just wanted to move your body. They didn't care, right? Um, No one goal was superior to another. They just wanted you to know that you belong there and um, unconditional positive regard is is a wonderful maxim of itself within coaching isn't it right and for them to trust you to know what your goals are um early in coaching i think i was really results oriented and this gave me a little bit more permission to relax and see what what develops with somebody else and a similar interpretation of that I've struck upon, which may be a phrase you've heard a lot as well, because we do the same thing. But the idea of tapping into people's inner geniuses, you know, your inner genius knows what to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they were doing that on a physical level. And also um, 
it wasn't just the regard, but also the environment they were able to set up. Like the, the, the trainers are wearing tutus and capes and leggings with hats on them and um, <laughs> reminding you that it's not all that serious, right? It's no going to die if you, if you can't um, do one more push-up. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> so again, a sense of humor attached to something joyful and spontaneous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, those are those are the the I guess the big shapers. Um, my my theater training, of course, shaped a lot. Um, and was I right earlier on when I mentioned the um, Command and Conquer? Was that a sort of video game version of you? Quite a few years ago, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, that would have been probably back in ninety two. Ooh, so sorry to dig that out for you, but it, it was an oh, extraordinary no. um, accomplishment of, wow, someone that's very ingrained in the sort of genesis of, you know, actors being involved in, in the gaming industry. Yeah, it was, a, well, it was an interesting moment. Um, that was the first game that um, combined computer animation with live action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, human, um, human filming. And so I had this little little uh part colonel morelli yes and <laughs> did you actually see the video of it i did there's there's you um doing several takes of of, of colonel morelli but <laughs> you notice i'm wearing this flight helmet that's too small for my face <laughs> <laughs> and by the way interestingly I, I have interviewed recently somebody called jack claff who's an english actor who was in the star wars uh, first movie in one of the uh, i'm not a particular star wars aficionado but one of the people in the um the ships the, the, yeah. <laughs> the fighter things what are they called <laughs> awkward but anyway but he look he's in one of those helmets so that that had a connection for me in watching you do that yeah it's um it's humbling to look at because i don't think i'm particularly good in it and also um i really needed like a waxing on my lips <laughs> so i wasn't going to bring that up or, or nor did i notice <laughs> <laughs> it's all i see when i look at it <laughs> yeah. so um two things that never fail to grab your attention two things that never fail to grab my attention um weirdly because i'm not a kid person uh babies okay babies are amazing because they're super present like there's no there are no filters yet they just get to be this pure experience and watching toddlers walk, they are the most hilarious drunkards. <laughs> They're just all drunk. <laughs> drunk on life, spontaneity so, and surprise as one foot goes in front of the other. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and you said that you're not a you're not a baby person per se, so you don't have aspirations to be a parent in that regard, or? I don't. I don't. Um, I I really like babies and the energy of babies like when you touch them there's like a buzzing energy life energy on them and that's that's amazing i don't think i have the patience to raise an entire human <laughs> so i've always joked that i want a pet baby yes a yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it turns out they're probably not really fun fun pets because there's so much upkeep on a baby but <laughs> <laughs> there's a funny graph been doing the rounds on social media recently which is a comedy graph which is actually in the law virus group where you might have put it there even which is the fun versus effort ratio of pets and up the top is a dragon which is awesome fucking great fun and you know but quite high maintenance and then babies are in there on quite a lot of effort yeah they're like right on the axis <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um and what else do I always notice? Um, I made some notes about this and it's not coming right. It's the oh, squirrels moment, you know, from the film Up, I think it is. Yeah, right, right. Um, so babies definitely do that to me. Um, gosh, just just general quirk. Something that is just enough off-center. It hits this little, this little place in my chest where I go, yeah. that's amazing, that's so weird, I love it. <laughs> Like I was recently going through my photos of a tour that I went, um, I did a, a two months in Germany doing a Christmas carol in English in Germany, Ooh. which is its own quirky thing. 
and like looking at the pictures that I took. Was that the English speaking of... theatre in Frankfurt by any chance? Because that's that's one I remember. Uh, it was no, it's a, a company that's based in Munich. Okay. Munchen. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. the, I was looking at the pictures, and the pictures were all just things that I found quirky, like candy bars that are named Falls. Um, <laughs> 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 and like this weird bathroom that I walked into that had green lights in it. How weird is that? Really creepy bathroom. Okay. And uh, the uh, the lady's sanitary um, box where those sorts of things get put. Uh, uh, the 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 branding on the top of it was Lady Killer. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> so the the joy of Maverick surprise as it oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I guess it comes back to that. Um, we're, you know, coming back to that circle. And when that shows up in coaching, it's just like that, that weird thing about you that you either think is too much or isn't appropriate is probably the thing that you're going to appreciate most about your willingness. Yes. And it's a lovely boundary to try and push and experience sometimes, isn't it? When your wheels are just about to leave the, the edge, that's where the real magic can happen sometimes. And comedy pushes the boundaries in that way, doesn't it, I find. And, and it's a real sailing really close to the wind on the edge of the, before you fall off the earth is the really interesting moment, actually. Yes, exactly, exactly. Knowing to how to read your audience, yes, absolutely. So now I think we're nearly end, at the end of the trip. Is there, um, you've been sharing Alchemy and Gold anyway, which we're coming on to next. Um, yes. But what about an unusual fact about you we couldn't possibly know until you deliver the punchline of now? This is always a, uh, a difficult question, right? Because um, I feel like I've been sharing weird facts about me all day. Um, if I have to, to pick one, it's really hard. Um, I guess when I fall asleep, I fall asleep to cartoons. I have to have a, a cartoon playing to keep my head from, from spinning so I can actually fall asleep. Your husband must really enjoy that. that. That's really quirky, and I I, I love the idea of that. Uh, I'm not trying to fall asleep. I actually asleep converted him to it because now when he's a, if he's traveling and he's by himself, we call it lullaby, putting on lullaby. And currently, it's the cartoon American Dad. Ah uh, yes, yes. Gosh, again, that's quirky right there. Fantastic. <laughs> so you're not talking about Looney Tunes as you go into your sleep. So. Something a slightly more adult, but yeah. Shall we say? Lovely. Uh, awesome. Uh, worth waiting for um, quirky or unusual fact. And now we walk away from your tree and we talk about alchemy and gold. And what I mean by that is uh, when you are at purpose or in flow, Wendy Bagger, what's the alchemy and the gold that you're here to bring, do you think? I really believe it's about recovering from perfectionism. I I joke that I'm a recovering perfectionist and um, Jane Fonda says in a in a, a documentary of hers, we're not here to be perfect, we're here to be whole. And um, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to do is free people from the burden of perfection. Or at least give the perfectionist something else to do that's more helpful than trying to create this facade when I'm trying to connect with you. The way that shows up for me, like before I, I have a class, um, my inner perfectionist wants the room to look perfect. And so I let my perfectionist set up the tables and the chairs just so and the angle of the, of the board just so. And then I, psychically ask the perfectionist to wait outside (laughs) you know what I mean like you 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 did really well thank you for this very um organized space now you take a break and then do you deliberately push a chair over or something at that point uh you know that that would be a great way to actually manifest it so far it's just been psychic I I give that to you as a potential gift just do something to disrupt the perfection I love that yes the, yes, the dent or the exactly. tint in the universe. I love that too. Um, yeah. So you're at the beautiful point now 
And by the way, that was a gorgeous answer to Alchemy and Gold. Thank you, a recovering perfectionist. So I'm going to award you with a cake, uh, Wendy Bagger, now for gracing us with your presence here in the Good Listening To podcast clearing. And the cake um, is yours, uh, and you're going to put a cherry on the cake. And I'd like to j- just subdivide the cake a bit. Um, first of all, can I have a... Um, you've given us some, but w- what's a favourite inspirational quote, even if you repeat one you've already given us, of yours that you've always drawn great sucker from? Oh, this is one that I haven't talked about yet. Um, there's a book by Mark Manson called the uh, Charles Manson. <laughs> you didn't say Charles. <laughs> Mark Manson, this one, and it's a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And a, I'm always down for good f bomb. But the the quote that I take from that book is, uh, oh, how does this go? In my life. I have given a fuck about a great many things and not given a fuck about a great many things. And in the end, it is the fuck not given that has made all this the difference. Lovely. And just that last bit I lost that have just made this. That could have been me being a bit deaf at that moment. It is all. Oh, the fuck not given have made all of the difference. All of the difference. Forgive me. That could be just me beaming a bit deaf head at this point beautiful quote i love that thank you and um so now the extra cherry on the cake is your choice of uh, it could be advice you might give to your younger self or it could be the legacy of this conversation you know how would you like to leave us in this conversation um i think the i think that my answer to that is both of those cherries which is um, presence, not perfection. Beautiful. Um, and thank you so much for joining me in the Good Listening To uh, podcast clearing. Um, where can we find out more about Wendy Bagger if we'd care to on the interweb? Well, you can find me at my LinkedIn, which is just my name, Wendy Bagger. B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-